0: And a properly worldly lens on the week's lectionary passages, all in 25 minutes or less. My guest is Josh Redder. Originally from Ohio, Josh lived on the island of Maui, in Hawaii, for 10 glorious years. Inexplicably, he moved back to Ohio. He describes himself as ministry adjacent. He's also a regular contributor for Mockingbird's website. I give you Josh Redder. Josh, welcome back to the podcast.
1: Good to be here, Scott.
0: You've got marquee texts to talk about from your perch in Ohio there. We have let's start off with 2 Samuel 11, 1 through 15. This is, as you said in the in the pre-show conversation, I think the way you phrased it was David did a bad thing here.
1: He did. He got in a little bit of trouble.
0: This is this is David and Bathsheba.
1: This is kind of like uh yeah, this is kind of the the, uh, the after dark version of uh, of Samuel. Um, yeah, I, I think what's incredible is he did a bad thing, and then he just kept doing bad things. Uh, he was committed to the cause at, at a certain point. Um, yeah, attempted murder, covering it up. A lot going on here. Spice yeah. Up Sunday.
0: Yeah, and then, you know he's watching women sunbathing. I mean, it's 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 a very Donald Trump kind of text. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: over there in his tower, and yeah, yeah. Just the similarities are it's uh, it's pretty. Uh, yeah, it's kind of a, a lurid tale, particularly when you you know David's a man after God's own heart. Uh, but I think one of the things that people do remember about David is this little episode right here. Uh, Certainly serves as a cautionary tale uh, and, and inspired some pretty uh, vivid psalms. Uh, so, you know, wasn't all bad.
0: It, it's interesting because Peter Lightheart in his fantastic commentary on uh, on Samuel says, says this. Says that, that The chapters 11 and 12 tell a single connected story. The story of David, Bathsheba, and Uriah. And they set the Course for the uh, the set in these chapters set the course of events for the rest of Second Samuel. This event can be seen from a number of perspectives. First, it was another fall. The mm-hmm. Lord had promised that David's dynasty would continue, that his son would build a temple for the Lord, and that the seed of David would reign forever. This was the charter of humanity, the Torah Chadaam, placing David at the center of God's work in world history. Like Adam, David sinned after being given these great privileges after mm-hmm. the new creation. Of the Davidic covenant, there was a new fall, like Adam. David sinned in relation to a woman, and as with Adam, the sin was David's, not the woman's. Adam's sin was spiritual adultery, while David's was literal adultery. Like Adam's, David's sin involved tasting forbidden fruits. That's beautiful. I like that. Yes,
1: yes we we certainly have uh, we certainly have plenty of uh, Adams and and Adam imitators uh, throughout Scripture, and and David. Uh, Probably was the the best at it. Um, as spectacularly as he sinned, he, uh, I, I will give give David credit for uh, his spectacular uh, repentance, um, and, and I think that's that's what makes him a, a man after God's own heart. Um, and he yeah, just,
0: it's it's not being sinless, right? It's it's that when right sin comes, you, you're repentant. So like there's this there's this. It, it, it's interesting too. Like, you know, like Saul, he, he. I mean, both he and saw, on the front end have a kind of patience, you know, receiving the kingdom, yes. right? But then yes. they both are, their their downfall is when they start grabbing and seizing things and taking things. Like the, the patience gives way to seizing things and, and to sort of a sense of entitlement. And that's, I, I feel like that's often the case in the Christian life that, that there's this, you know, there's no, there's no, passage in the New Testament, I don't think that ever talks about building the kingdom. It's always the kingdom is received or inherited. Right. And, and oftentimes things go awry when we attempt to seize and take up and build as opposed to receive.
1: I, I always think of uh, Capon's uh, example of a dead hand, where it, it can't grasp, it can't control, like it, it can only receive. And and I've always thought that that um, I think we we view that kind of uh, death to that uh, control as something that means we also can't experience joy, and I, I would kind of argue that that dead hand doesn't uh, experience joy any less, uh, but it, it, it certainly does uh, help prevent uh, some of the the problems when when we try to take what is ours beyond uh beyond what's given us and, and david did that and it went really really badly what what didn't david have at that point in his life what didn't he have and
0: and, and that every, yeah he had every and i think that you make a great point about the dead hand kind of thing and that, that what i think you learn with the dead hand is the joy of receptivity the joy of serendipity like you, you learn to smell the roses you learn to see that most great things in life are gifts you know they received not achieved primarily yes. like and i think yeah i mean i think that is it's funny i think of this story i've told it on a few podcasts but it's like an italian apocryphal folklore but like this idea that the shepherd is embarrassed because he's poor and he's at the the birth scene of jesus and the blessed virgin turns and gives him the baby jesus cuz he's got nothing in his hands and so this oh, idea yes. that that it, that oftentimes when you have empty hands you find Jesus in them.
1: Yes. Yes. Absolutely. I for some reason and, and that story that came from the uh the priest of the
0: papal household. Yeah, the man. preacher of the papal household. Amazing yeah, yeah. gig. Amazing oh, gig he's, yes. and he's a good preacher. He's a very, good, <laughs> he's <laughs> a very <laughs> good preacher. He's a very good preacher I mean he's fantastic. you have
1: um to- yeah absolutely that's just pretty yeah it's uh, high standards. Um I was also thinking about how many times someone who's very successful or someone, a famous actor, actress, or businessman talks about when they're being honest and vulnerable, they were just lucky. You know, they were receptive.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: And we would love to think that we had something to do with that. Um, I think we had very little to do with that other than maybe being receptive.
0: Yeah, so so I guess if the falls happen when we seize things that, that I guess we ascend or we're lifted up when we're not grasping.
1: Absolutely. There's something that uh, uh, Abraham Heschel said, I think it was in the Sabbath uh, and the architecture of time. Um, but it went to the the same, it, it depends where we we draw from. And and I think with that type of grasping and control and and uh effort in, in accomplishing that. Uh we do get what we worked for. <laughs> uh and, and we see that with David. I mean, uh he destroyed another man's life and family and it did seem to have some side effects. But um I, I also I also love just even the the grace God showed david it's not we don't see it but as a result of this you know the the story with uh, nathan the prophet right uh, uh you know god's extending grace even in this moment of david just digging the hole deeper and yeah. deeper and deeper um and and that he was open and receptive to it at the end i, I there's a lot of people that uh are like David where they seem to be very impetuous or they seem to make bad choices. But if they're a person that repents, they're very something quite beautiful.
0: to ephesians chapter 3 verses 14 through 21 here we have this just majestic little passage where paul is you know praying for the church at ephesus and great you know he he prays that according to the riches of, of god's glory that they might he might grant them to be strengthened in their inner being with the power with power through the spirit and Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith uh, and as they're being rooted and grounded in love. And then I love that the conclusion of all this is I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now that's amazing because it, you according to Paul here, the key to people being filled right with uh, it, the fullness of God is that they can comprehend the love of God shown in Jesus. Uh, I, like, I, it's, I was, not, it's not the eschatology, or it's not no, the right view no, of no, creation, or it's not the right view in the covenants, or this. Or it's no. it's 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 the contemplation of the love of Christ. There,
1: there's uh, uh, at the uh, Calvin Seminary's uh, Center for Preaching Excellence, Scott Jose. Uh, uh,
0: Scott Jose, friend of the show, friend of the show. I,
1: Fantastic resource. Uh, he he, uh, he gives an interesting example uh, uh, of how Paul shows how and what he prays for them. He doesn't pray that they'll be healthy and safe or wealthy. Uh, uh, he does not pray they stand up to political foes in the Roman Empire. He does not pray that they might experience their best life now. No, he prays for strength by the Spirit to bring Christ more fully into their hearts, um, uh, and, and it it is interesting uh, um, that whether through the the repetition uh, or Paul's example, um, we it it just struck me how different that is than than a lot of the. The preaching of today it is how to have your best life now, and that doesn't just come from the most famous uh, purveyor of it. It, it is uh, all sermons seem to be uh, kind of infected with this idea that uh, the the Christian life is it's just. Slightly de- uh, delayed gratification until you get what you want, uh, so you can look pious while you're doing it, and that's not what the good news is.
0: Yeah, your your best life now is when you uh, get a vision of how much God loves you in Christ. Yeah, like that, that that's that's and your best. Every- life now. yeah. I mean, it's a, it's the sort of it's a it's a Christ centered version of the beatific vision. You know, like this, this just. Beauty of God's love for us in Christ.
1: I always think that a lot of verses. <clears throat> excuse me, Paul talks about you know when he was there, you know, just being in tears for the people, and there there's a desperation Paul has in in trying to communicate that very message, um, and uh, because that was the, what Paul understood was that is the only thing worth having. Um, uh, so it always. <laughs> I always think I don't know if this is entirely true. I like the story, but
0: it's uh, an access anything that's partially true. We pass,
1: you know, some of the the characters are real life. I don't know if the things are attributed to them are true. But is it fake news? It could be. (laughs) It could be propaganda. Uh, But they talked about John Calvin was always reluctant, surprisingly, despite his reputation, to enact church discipline. Uh, and and his theory was they just pro- didn't properly understand the gospel. I, I, That's amazing. It seemed, it seemed quite innocent because, oh, well, you just didn't get grace. <laughs> you're, you're acting in such a way that demonstrates that, oh, you, you just didn't grasp the message. And I always thought that was kind of a beautiful story, but I, I, I see that through Paul in how he even guides his his prayers, his wishes, everything uh, seems to be focused on that.
0: Yeah, and I th- I think of like sermon illustrations like pretty woman, right? Where like the the woman that's a prostitute, Julie Roberts, becomes a princess because you know, she's she's looked at lovingly and and, and the selfish kind of insecure businessman becomes a prince because she loves him. And the the the, the mutual reflection of love imputation. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. There was something, um, it was Ellis uh, Brazil, a friend of the show, um, was talking, we were talking about uh, something that uh, an old podcast that PZ had done. And uh, of course, he talks quite a bit about imputation in his podcast, but also uh, it was um, uh, Meister Eckhart and that uh, the experience of grace and those, those list of things I read that Paul didn't pray for, the outward success, of money, and everything that goes along with it, that uh, PZ had, had thought if, if when, when you've died, when you have a dead hand and you can only receive, uh, when that grasping ceases, uh, it looks remarkably different from the rest of the world. It, it doesn't necessarily mean that you live a life of, you know, Mother Teresa like piety, but uh, your motivations are so much different uh, in light of that that uh, it, it fundamentally changes how you interact with the world. Um, but we see that in everything Paul has written on repeat, uh, or as I like to say, as anybody ever read the book
0: of Romans. Yeah, by the light. Oh, and who 's the center of all of paul's writings Jesus speaking of jesus let's go let 's go on to the gospel the Gospel of John chapter six verses one through twenty one here we 've got john 's version of the feeding of the 5,000, right? And we also have the the, uh, the story of after that, where Jesus here, though, it's interesting because uh, here we get the... It, it's interesting because when they see Jesus uh, walking on the sea, <laughs> or the sea's rough and the wind's blowing... And they, they row like three or four miles. They saw Jesus walking and see coming near them, and they were terrified. But he says to them, I'm not, it's I, do not, don't, do not be afraid. And they wanted to take him in the boat immediately. And immediately the, the boat reached land, the land toward which where they were going. That's just amazing that like, if you want Jesus in the boat, uh, you'll find the destination.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I, until I was thinking about um, in, in feeding the 5,000, Um, uh, I also think of, uh, you know, even the walking on water and and every time that there was a problem, it was uh, Jesus would always ask them something that uh, required more than their resources, abilities, self, uh, ego could could give. And, you know, Peter, Peter walking on the water, uh, uh, Jesus uh, uh, calming the storm while, while, while scolding them, um, uh, and, and even, you know, we, we can't provide all this food. And, and it also reminded me of, of um, Moses uh, when, when the Israelites were complaining about not having any meat. And and the Lord, uh, you know, answered the complaint by saying, you know, you'll have it till it runs out your nose. And um, in in each one of those cases, what I loved about that one was Moses was you know doing the math in his head, trying to figure out how he was going to feed all these people. And, and the Lord re- replied, you know, is my arm too short? Uh, and, and Jesus, uh, you know, there was no limits. He, essence was repeating uh the father here in in the passage of you know what doesn't look like enough to you is more than plenty for me um but but there's always this constant wearing down of um, our contribution to grace there's something fundamentally (laughs) offensive to us about it uh and, and and we see that just in the uh, not only the way the the disciples behave, but uh, everyone else, even as he's doing it, in the midst of doing it, uh, it never becomes less surprising.
0: Yeah, and so it's like, it's interesting whether Jesus is, it's literally in the boat or metaphorically in the boat, like that's the key. Right? And, and, and right. we want Jesus in the boat when we're stretched. Like that's mm-hmm. the when, when, when these... It's interesting too, Capon makes a big deal out of this uh, in... in the kingdom grace judgment book he, he talks about how um the 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 early kingdom parables are about the the paradoxical uh, characteristics of the kingdom right it, it, it's catholic rather than parochial it's present rather than coming at some future date it's hidden in mysterious rather than visible but he says that these first parables do not in any developed way enunciate that the enunciate the paradoxical program by which the kingdom is in fact accomplished, that is by death and resurrection. The development of that theme comes, as I see it, only in the parables of grace. And it comes after a series of events and utterances that show Jesus more and more preoccupied with death. And he talks about John the Baptist and other things. But, you know, I mean, Capon elsewhere says, like, the feeding of the 5,000 is the last place Jesus looks like. It could look like a traditional conventional Messiah figure. He's feeding people. He's a. He looks like a political game changer. And so it's interesting that it's here that, very in John and the synoptics, in different ways, but it, roughly the same outline, Cape sees it's after this event that things change a little bit. And, and, and the death and resurrection of the king become part and parcel with his kingship.
1: There's a a story that he told in The uh, Foolishness of Preaching, Kate Bunn's book, The, F- uh, the Foolishness of Preaching, um, where it was like a little movie script. And it was, I, I, the story has always stuck with me. Uh, people are standing on the beach. There's a little girl out in the ocean. She's drowning. Uh, the lifeguard runs out to save her. Uh, but in, in the, the process, uh, he drowned as well. And the, the camera pans back to the the, the uh, lifeguard tower, and on the seat, he had on a piece of paper, he'd written, "It's all okay. Uh, she's safe in my death." And that's not the the hero story. Uh, and it, we particularly see in the New New Testament and the Gospels, uh, everyone expecting a different Savior, and it, it's. Uh, one that has to die and be resurrected is not what they were expecting.
0: Um, but and, and, I, and even, and even for those of us who, who know the other side of the story, it still becomes continually difficult to accept. And we have to be reminded again and again that death and resurrection absolutely. is the story of the kingdom. Absolutely.
1: there was, uh, uh, of course, uh, uh Peter Jensen or, uh, Robert Jensen, uh, uh, wrote quite beautifully on that. Uh, uh, uh i I think that's a theme that um I think that's where we we need the good news proclaimed over us every Sunday because uh it's forgotten within the first fifteen minutes of leaving the sanctuary most weeks um and I think people think they'll tire of it uh it's it's a brand new
0: experience every day <laughs> you've mor- realized- morning by mor- morning new mercies we see
1: absolutely well
0: absolutely. i pray i pray that this week a lot of people are reminded again where they meet the grace of god and the death and resurrection of jesus again for the first time and josh thank you for being on the podcast yet again thank you
1: for having me scott
0: always a pleasure thank you Thanks for listening to the Synaxis Podcast. If you like what you heard, please go to iTunes, give it a rating, write a review, and subscribe. Or pass it along to a friend via email or say something about it on social media. All of those things help so much as we're just getting off the ground. Thanks to Josh for being on the podcast and thanks again to you for listening. Until next time, friends, fare the well.